Chapter Twenty Nine of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Nine. Williams Cash. Ed Banks had been recalled before daybreak from the Middle Pass. Two of the men wanted were now known to have crossed the creek, which meant they must work out of the country through Williams Cash. "'If you will take your best two men, Ed,' said Whispering Smith, sitting down with Banks at breakfast, "'and strike straight for Canadian Pass to help Jean and Bob Johnson, I'll undertake to ride in and talk to Rebstock, while Kennedy and Bob Scott watch Deep Creek. The boy gives a good description, and the two men that did the job here are Dusang and Flattenose. Did I tell you how we picked up the trail yesterday? Magpies.' They shot a scrub horse that gave out on them and skinned the brand. It hastened the banquet, but we got there before the birds were all seated. Good luck, wasn't it? And it gave us a beautiful trail. One of the party crossed the Goose River at American Fork, and Brill Young and Reed followed him. Four came through the Mission Mountains. That's a cinch, and they're in the cache. And if they get out, it's our own fault, personally, Ed, and not the Lord's. William's cache lies in the form of a great horn, with a narrow entrance at the lower end known as the door, and a rock fissure at the upper end leading into Canadian Pass. But this fissure is so narrow that a man with a rifle could withstand a regiment. For a hundred miles east and west rise the granite walls of the Mission Range, broken nowhere save by the formation known as the cache. Even this does not penetrate the range, it is a pocket, and runs not over halfway into it and out again. But no man really knows the cache. The most that may be said is that the main valley is known, and it is known as the roughest mountain fissure between Spanish sinks and the man-trap country. William's cache lies between walls two thousand feet high, and within it is a small labyrinth of canyons. A generation ago, when Medicine Bend for one winter was the terminus of the Overland Railroad, vigilantes mercilessly cleaned out the town, and the few outlaws that escaped the shotgun and the noose at Medicine Bend found refuge in a far-away and unknown mountain gorge, once named by French trappers as the Cache. Years after these outcasts had come to infest it, came one desperado more ferocious than all that had gone before. He made a frontier retreat of the Cache, and left it to the legacy of his evil name, Williams. Since that day it has served, as it served before, for the haunt of outlawed men. No honest man lives in William's cache, and few men of any sort live there long, since their lives are lives of violence. Neither the law nor a woman crosses Deep Creek. For from the day of William's to this day the cache has had its ruler, and when Whispering Smith rode with a little party through the door into the cache the morning after the murder in Mission Valley, he sent an envoy to Repstock, whose success as a cattle thief had brought its inevitable penalty. It had made Repstock a man of consequence and of property, 
and a man subject to the anxieties and annoyances of such responsibility. Sitting once in the three horses at Medicine Bend, Rebstock had talked with Whispering Smith. "'I used to have a good time,' he growled. "'When I was rustling a little bunch of steers, just a small bunch all by myself, and hadn't a cent in the world, no place to sleep and nothing to eat, I had a good time. Now I have to keep my money in the bank. That ain't pleasant, you know that. Every man that brings a bunch of cattle across Deep Creek has stole em and expects me to buy em or lend him money. I'm busy with inspectors all the time, deviling with brands, standing off the stock association and all kinds of trouble. I've got too many cows, too much money. I'm afraid somebody will shoot me if I go to sleep or poison me if I take a drink. Whispering Smith, I'd like to give you a half interest in my business. That's on the square. You're a young man and handy. It wouldn't cost you a cent, and you can have half of the whole shooting match if you'll cross Deep Creek and help me run the gang. Such was Rebstock free from anxiety and in a confidential moment. Under pressure, he was, like all men, different. Whispering Smith had acquaintance even in the cash, and after a little careful reconnoitering he found a crippled-up thief driving a milch cow down the cash, who was willing to take a message to the boss. Whispering Smith gave his instructions explicitly, facing the messenger as the two sat in their saddles with an importunate eye. "'Say to Rebstock exactly these words,' he insisted. "'This is from Whispering Smith. "'I want Dusang. "'He killed a friend of mine last night at Mission Springs. "'I happened to be near there and know he rode in last night. "'He can't get out. "'The Canadian is plugged. "'I won't stand for the killing, "'and it is Dusang or a clean-up in the cash all around. "'And then I'll get Dusang anyway. "'Regards.' Riding circumspectly in and out the entrance to the cache, the party waited an hour for an answer. When the answer came, it was unsatisfactory. Rebstock declined to appear upon so trivial a matter, and Whispering Smith refused to specify a further grievance. More parley and stronger messages were necessary to stir the Deep Creek monarch, but at last he sent word asking whispering smith to come to his cabin accompanied only by kennedy the two railroad men rode up the canyon together and now i will show you a lean and hungry thief grown monstrous and miserly farrell said whispering smith at the head of a short pocket between two sheer granite walls they saw rebstock's weather-beaten cabin and he stood in front of it smoking he looked moodily at his visitors out of eyes buried between rolls of fat. Whispering Smith was a little harsh as the two shook hands, but he dismounted and followed Rebstock into the house. "'What are you so high and mighty about?' he demanded, throwing his hat on the table near which Rebstock had seated himself. "'Why don't you come out when I send a man to you, or send word what you'll do? What have you got to kick about? Haven't you been treated right?' being in no position to complain but shrewdly aware that much unpleasantness was in the wind rebstock beat about the bush he had had rheumatism he couldn't ride 
He had been in bed three weeks and hadn't seen Dusang for three months. You ain't chasing up here after Dusang because he killed a man at Mission Springs. I know better than that. That ain't the first man he's killed, and it ain't going to be the last. Whispering Smith lifted his finger and for the first time smiled. Now there you err, Rebstock. It is a-gonna be the last. So you think I'm after you, do you? Well, if I were, what are you going to do about it? Rebstock, do you think if I wanted you, I would send a message for you to come out and meet me? Not on your life. When I want you, I'll come to your shack and drag you out by the hair of the head. Sit down, roared Whispering Smith. Rebstock, who weighed at least two hundred and seventy-five pounds, had lifted himself up to glare and swear freely. Now he dropped angrily back into the chair. "'Well, who do you want?' he bellowed in kind. A smile softened the asperity of the railroad man's face. "'That's a fair question, and I will give you a straight answer. I'm not bluffing. I want Dusang. Rebstock squirmed. He swore with shortened breath that he knew nothing about Dusang, that Dusang had stolen his cattle, that hanging was too good for him, that he would join any posse in searching for him, and that he had not seen him for three months. "'Likely enough,' assented Whispering Smith, "'but this is wasting time. He rode in here last night after killing old Dan Baggs. Your estimable nephew, Barney, is with him.' and Carg is with him, and I want them. But in a special and particular, I want Dusang. Rebstock denied, protested, wheezed, and stormed, but Whispering Smith was immovable. He would not stir from the cache upon any promises. Rebstock offered to surrender anyone else in the cache, hinted strongly at two different men for whom handsome rewards were out, but every compromise suggested was met with the same good-natured words. I want Dusang. At last the smile changed on Whispering Smith's face. It lighted his eyes still, but with a different expression. See here, Rebstock, you and I have always got along, haven't we? I have no desire to crowd any man to the wall that is a man. Now I'm going to tell you the simple truth. Dusang has got you scared to death. That man is a faker, Ribstock. Because he kills men right and left without any provocation, you think he's dangerous. He isn't. There are a dozen men in the cache just as good with a gun as Dusang is. Don't shake your head. I know what I'm talking about. He is a jay with a gun, and you may tell him I said so. Do you hear? Tell him to come out if he wants me to demonstrate it. He has got everybody, including you, scared to death. Now I say, don't be silly. I want Dusang. Rebstock rose to his feet solemnly and pointed his finger at Whispering Smith. Whispering Smith, you know me. I know you for a fat rascal. That's all right. You know me. And just as you say, we always get along because we both got sense. You're hiding yours today, Rebstock. No matter. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you all the horse flesh you can kill and all the men you can hire to go after him, and I'll bury your dead myself. 
You think he can't shoot? I give you a tip on the square, Whispering Smith snorted. You'll shoot the four buttons off your coat in four shots. Smith kicked Rebstock's dog contemptuously. And do it while you're falling down. I've seen him do it, persisted Rebstock, moist with perspiration. I'm not looking for a chance to go against a sure thing. I wash my hands of the job. Whispering Smith rose. It was no trick to see he had you scared to death. You're losing your wits, old man. The albino is a faker, and I tell you I'm going to run him out of the country. Whispering Smith reached for his hat. Our treaty ends right here. You promised to harbor no man in your sink that ever went against our road. You know as well as I do that this man, with four others, held up our train night before last at Tower W., shot our engine man to death for mere delight, killed a messenger, took sixty-five thousand dollars out of the through safe, and made his good getaway. Now don't lie. You know every word of it, and you thought you could pull it out of me by a bluff. I tracked him to your door. He's inside the cache this minute. You know every curve and canyon and pocket and washout in it, and every cutthroat and jailbird in it, and they pay you blood money and hush money every month. And when I ask you not to give up a dozen men the company's entitled to, but merely to send this pink-eyed lobster out with his guns to talk with me, you wash your hands of the job, do you? Now listen, if you don't send De Sang into the open before noon tomorrow, I'll run every living steer and every living man out of William's cache before I cross the crawling stone again. So help me God. And I'll send for cowboys within thirty minutes to begin the job. I'll scrape your deep creek canyons to the rattlesnake squeal. I'll make William's cache so wild that a timber wolf can't follow his own trail through it. You'll break with me, will you, Rebstock? Then wind up your bank account. Before I finish with you, I'll put you in stripes and feed buzzards off your table. Rebstock's face was apoplectic. He choked with a torrent of oaths. Whispering Smith, paying no attention, walked out to where Kennedy was waiting. He swung into the saddle, ignoring Rebstock's abjurations, and with Kennedy rode away. "'It's hard to do anything with a man that's scared to death,' said Smith to his companion. "'Then, too, Rebstock's nephew is probably in this. In any case, when de Sang has got Rebstock scared, he's a dangerous man to be abroad.' We've got to smoke him out, Farrell. Lance Dunning insisted the other day he wanted to do me a favor. I'll see if he'll lend me Stormy Gorman and some of his cowpunchers for a roundup. We've got to smoke to sang out. A roundup is the thing. But by heaven, if that roundup is actually pulled off, it will be a classic when you and I are gone. Thirty minutes afterward, messengers had taken the Frenchman trail for Lance Dunning's Cowboys. End of chapter 29